conversations about topics that we find in the Bible uh, that might challenge us in one way or another. Uh, and that's the hope, is, is that we become challenged by what the Word says. That's, that's what being a disciple really is all about, is being challenged and, and allowing God to speak to areas of our life that, uh, that maybe need uh, a little bit of change here and there. Uh, I believe that even as a, a Holy Ghost-filled uh, individual, that there are uh, aspects of our life, or any, any committed Christian, that there are aspects of our life that God still wants to uh, begin to come in and transform us in, in one area or another. And one of those areas where we get a little bit tight or a little squirmy in our seats sometimes when we talk about it is this area of money and our finances. Uh, but the Bible has a lot to say uh, about this topic. And so I don't want us to shy away from it. If the Bible uh, has so much to say uh, on our money, then I believe it's something that we should approach and, um, and not be shy in speaking on this. And so last week we really uh, dove into uh, the blessings that are connected to money, that God does want to pour out blessings on His people. And uh, part of doing that is giving back to God what belonged to Him, uh, giving back the tithe, giving offerings to God. And, uh, and that is, uh, if, you, if you weren't here for that conversation, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. But we're going to continue in this today, and, and uh, I'm glad to have next to me and this uh, conversation today uh, with Josh McConkey. And uh, I wonder if you wouldn't mind just kind of getting us started here this morning, uh, just by reading in Luke chapter 16, um, starting in verse 9 here this morning. And I say unto you, make to yourself friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, you may receive, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in which is the least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is also unjust in the must, in the much. Therefore, ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which in another man's, who shall you give which is of your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I think especially that, that last little phrase there paints such a clear picture, this dichotomy between serving God and serving mammon. And God... Jesus speaking here, he says, you cannot serve both. You cannot serve both God and mammon. And this is a phrase, uh, really, we don't get too often uh, with Jesus and his ministry, where he is contrasting so clearly serving God to serving any, anything else. Uh, we, we do see it in, in a few other places, but here, very clearly, Jesus is saying, you cannot, you cannot do it. You cannot serve these two things. You cannot serve both God and mammon. And that, that word mammon is one we saw it three times there in that text. Um, there's only one other time in Scripture that we see that word mammon. Uh, it's in Matthew, and it's during this, it's, uh, if you know the Gospels, we see these same conversations come up, and it's during the same conversation. Uh, so this is really the only context where we see this word mammon come to us in Scripture. But uh, understanding this isn't a it's not a common word. I mean, uh, 
How many times this week have you used the word mammon or this month? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> Except for when we talked about this. That's exactly. the, uh, I, don't, I don't commonly use that. It's not part of my common vernacular. So I think it's a, a, a good question to ask. And really I have three questions uh, that I want us to, to consider today. And the first one is, what is mammon? What, what are we talking about here? The second question is, is money evil? And uh, the third question that we're going to kind of discuss is, you know, what should I do with my money? Um, I guess I didn't, I hadn't mentioned it yet, just reminded, uh, just read the scriptures up here now, but uh, if you do, uh, get your phone out with that QR code up there. Uh, we do want you to join the conversation, and so uh, if you want to uh, scan that, you can put in any questions, any comments that you have, and we'll try to get to them. So this, this first question that we had here today is, is what is mammon? And if you have uh, some understanding of, of Scripture, if you've studied Scripture, and uh, you know perhaps you have a little bit of basis on this word, uh, foundation, to understand that mammon, um, you know, a lot of people would say that mammon is money. But really the answer is a lot deeper than just mammon being money. Because mammon... It comes to us, it's this Aramaic word. Uh, Aramaic was the, uh, the common language that the Jews in that day spoke. Um, but it was an Aramaic word, which means riches. Uh, but it comes from not just a, an understanding of riches and, and, these, and money itself, but really it comes from a Syrian god of riches. And so I, I don't believe that Jesus was simply referring to riches or simply referring to money and finances. He was more so speaking about this false god that they were aware of, that they knew of. And the Syrians, they had this god that was called Mammon. It was the god of riches. And if you understand anything about the Syrian culture, where the Syrians, where they came from, was this place of Babylon, this very ancient culture uh, of really even could be traced all the way back to the Tower of Babel. Uh, Tower of Babel brings up all of these images in our minds of, of them building this tower, God confusing the languages of the people, and, and that's, that's really what Babel uh, means, is confusion. Babylon being built in that same place uh, where all of this, all these, this God of mammon is coming from this, this culture um, that, that means confusion. Babylon itself means sown in confusion. It's, it was planted in confusion. And I think that's a lot of what can happen around money, around our finances, um, is that there can be a lot of confusion that, that becomes rooted in us. Confusion about where do I get my security, right? Like where, where how do I find security in this life? Can I trust God or do I put my trust in my job and, and what I have provided. You know, I, I need to have finances. I need to have money. Uh, but there are times where we can put all of our trust in that instead of putting our trust in God. And this, this idea of confusion, I believe, is, is rooted in the spirit that is behind money. Not money itself, but a spirit that, that's behind money. And it's a spirit that itself contrasts against God. It's, it's pitted against God, the spirit of money, the spirit that is reliant upon um, what the world can offer or what, uh, what we can get from, uh, from, from money itself, 
instead of relying on God. It's something that is coming against God and contrasting itself against God. When we talk about you can't serve God and mammon, I think he made that, that point so clear because when you're serving mammon, you're serving riches, you're serving how can I better myself. And God's saying you can't better yourself, right? Like you, you can do things to improve yourself, but you can't get everything in life that you want to have. You, you need to get the things in life that I have for you. So he's saying you can't go on upon your own agenda and still say I'm following after God's agenda. And I think that that's what he's saying is like you can, if your whole thought process is I need to have a mansion one day and God's thought process is I need you to reach an entire community, those aren't going to intersect. And he's making it clear you got to make a choice. Do you want to be in my will or do you want to be in your will? Yeah, when you say I want to have a mansion one day, where's that, where's that mansion going to be at? It's going to be in heaven. Right. I, I want a mansion uh, that it's not in a place where we'll get to the scripture I believe today, but where moth and rust corrupts. Our mansions today, they're going to come tumbling down at some point. But let's put, our, um, let's put our true heart and soul behind something that's eternal. And so the spirit of mammon, that's what it is. It's a spirit. It's something that tries to come in and tries to replace God. It's a prideful spirit. And Jesus, he says, you can't serve both God and mammon. You can't, you can't be the servant of both. You got, you're going to be the servant of God, or you're going to be the servant of the spirit of mammon. And, and here's the problem, that many of us actually grew up looking to mammon, and we didn't even know it. Looking to mammon, especially here, here in the United States, we're blessed. We are so blessed um, to live in this, uh, this free country where I believe that God has blessed us because it was a, it was a, a nation that was founded on biblical principles, uh, it was it was a nation where uh, not that every one of our forefathers was um, you know was was perfect or the most righteous person, but uh, but it was founded on uh, on Jesus Christ, and I believe that God has blessed us because of that. But chasing the American dream is not the same as chasing after the kingdom values, and sometimes we can get those things mixed up. We can think you know God is blessing me. Uh, when, when it really it's it's the blessings that are coming from the American dream, or because of uh, you know what we are blessed with to live in this nation, and so sometimes, you know, growing up, we we see this picture of blessings, and really it's not even the blessings necessarily that God wants us to have in our perspective, uh, even in our Christian culture, it's come into our Christian culture of this prosperity doctrine. I don't know, I'm sure you've we've heard these these prosperity doctrines. That are, that are out there of, you know, name it and claim it. You know, if you can, you know, God wants you to have it, so just blab it and grab it. You know, whatever God wants you to, you know, be blessed with, you know, just, just say it. And God wants you to have these, you know, he wants you to have the Rolex and the Mercedes Benz. God wants you to have everything. And he needs you to do that by writing a check to us right now for this dollar. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, in our live stream, we'll have all of that number right down in the bottom of our... The problem with that message is that uh, many times that message is one of selfishness and, and we can look at this from a perspective of what can I get from this. And that it, when it comes from that perspective, that's the spirit of mammon about I want to be blessed. I want to, I want to have everything. God wants me to have all of this. When instead, when we flip this around and, and it's not about the spirit of mammon, um, it, it becomes something about kingdom folk being kingdom focused 
And I believe, I believe in the blessings of God. I believe that God wants to bless us. I believe that God, it's, it's not sinful to have nice things. It's not sinful to have, uh, I just mentioned a Rolex. So it's not sinful to have a Rolex. But, uh, but when that is the, you know, I want to be blessed by you, God. I want, I want this. And I'll, God, I'll give if you give me that. That becomes the spirit of mammon. And so, uh, again, it's not, it's not a curse to be blessed, but, uh, or it's not evil to be blessed. But when you do it with the spirit of mammon, there becomes a, a confusion that comes into our soul. And what God really wants for us is to give peace. Uh, because what happens when, when we are focusing on the spirit of mammon is we, we try to get peace. You try to get happiness, you try to get security, you can try to get your identity, you can try to get happiness, joy, all of these things from money when God says, let me provide that for you. And some of you may know people that are like that. You know, they're always striving for that next thing and they're working so hard to get this next thing. What happens when they get it? Do they say, I've arrived, I'm done? No, then they have, well, now I need something else. And now, and it's that spirit of it's just, I have to have more, I have to have more. And it's growing. Um, we were talking this week, and one of the things that we pointed out was that the spirit of mammon could even really be pointed more towards, like, the Antichrist. Because if you think about it, what does the Bible say? It doesn't say that the Antichrist is going to come because there's a threat of nuclear war, right? It's not going to be our, our safety and things like that. It's going to be able to rise up when it's a time that we're not able to buy and sell. When it's a time that our finances are being attacked, then that's when, uh, that's when that spirit's going to come in. So... We'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit uh, in Scripture in just a minute, but it, it, it talks about, you know, the mark of the beast. You're not going to be able to provide for your family. It's a scary time that you get to that point, but it's like, do we fully trust in God or do we fully trust in the dollar? And that, that, that's, that's what God's saying is like there's going to come a point in your life where you're going to need to serve just me, and it's going to be just about me. So mammon is trying to, to get us to bow. It's trying to get us to serve. It's trying to get us to focus all of our attention on, on that thing. And God says, no, I need, I need all of your focus on me. You can't be a soul winner if you're focused on getting the biggest house in the block. It's really hard to do both. You can't be sold out to God and be sold out to, to your bank account at the same time. Because Mammon says, you know, uh, if people have more money, then they're going to listen to you. That might be the case, but the following you have is going to be one that you want to have, right? Are they going to believe in you? How many marriages have got better because you worked overtime and you didn't see your spouse, but you got a bigger bank account? I don't think a whole lot did, right? And if you did, then does your wife love you or does she love your bank account? Just throwing that out there. There's something to examine if they're happy to see you gone all the time working. But that's one of the biggest lies that they have is that you don't need God, you just need to have money. When was the one time in scripture you saw a guy go up to a, the lame man or the leper and say, you know what you need? You need to have a job and more finances and you need to work. He doesn't do that, right? He doesn't say, oh, money will solve your problems. Money will be the answer for you. No, he says, I'm the answer for you. I'm the one that can provide these things. So we need to get our mindset and following after God and realizing that it doesn't matter how much money I have. God's going to be the one that can solve my situations, right? I can't buy my salvation. I can't buy my miracle. I can't buy these things. But a dedicated prayer life can change things. Yeah, I mean, Peter and John on the way to the temple, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Right? So, yeah. And they had none because they were preachers. It makes sense. <laughs> it all aligns the will of God. Yeah, I, I believe that is, 
that, that contrast right there, that money, money doesn't help people. God helps people. And you, you say, oh, I've seen money help people. You know, I've, I've been in a place where I need money. And, um, and maybe even here this morning, you are, you're saying, you know, that I either need God to come through or I need somebody to provide something for me and the finances for me to get through. You know, and the, the, the reality is sometimes when we have those people who might come or we, you know, maybe even our job, it's maybe not somebody else that provides, but or we have the money that, that comes, you know, we might, we might give God thanks and, you know, God, thank you for providing. But there are also times when, when we just say, all right, thank you for providing, God. But then our reliance goes right back to just saying, it's all about the money. And when things get tight again, it's all about, God, I need the money. Instead of just focusing on, God, I need you right now. God, I, I just need you to help me through this. I need you to fix my problems. God, I need you. Sometimes the problem is us. And we're going to get into this in just a little bit. That sometimes the problem is, is, is me and how I steward my finances uh, rather than just, just a matter of, uh, of God providing for me all the time. Uh, but rather, God, help me to be, uh, to be able to manage well what you have trusted me with. And really that gets me into my second question, which is, is money evil? There we go. The love of money. So um, Jesus did say in this, unrighteous mammon. Unrighteous mammon. Now, if you just say that mammon is money, then you may say, well, that's talking about evil money. But as I was just saying, money or mammon itself does not mean money. Mammon is the spirit behind the pursuit of money or what all money can provide. So it's the love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's what the scripture says. It's in um, uh, 1 Timothy 6.10 that we, that we see that. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which when some coveted after it, they have erred from the faith. Notice what happens when you have this covetous nature this desire just for the things of this world or what money can provide, the spirit of mammon. It says that you will err from the faith. You will find yourself in uh, walking away from the very foundation of what God wanted to provide for you. You will err from the faith, and he adds to it, and you will be pierced through with many sorrows. But it actually says they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. It's something that you do to yourself when you are pursuing, when all of your pursuit is about money and having a love of money being everything, uh, you know, what your desires are all about. He says that at the end of the day, you are not going to find satisfaction. At the end of the day, you are going to be pierced through with many sorrows. It's in Luke 16, 9. We already read it. It was in that opening passage. But he said, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, you may receive you into everlasting habitations. And it says, so here it's saying, when you fail, when you realize that mammon is not enough, when you realize that the pursuit of money is not enough, that's when you're going to realize that there is something that is everlasting, something that goes beyond 
this life that really is where our pursuits ought to be. And so, and so if we're talking about whether or not money is evil, it's not that money is evil. Money is neutral. Money is something, in fact, can be used in a, to bless the kingdom of God. It, it, it is needed here on earth at times in order to propagate the gospel, in order to, uh, it's not to say that we need to give it all. God is the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God is the one who's able to provide. But money is needed at times to, uh, to allow the gospel to be spread. So money itself isn't evil. And that gets us to our, our, our third and final question, which is, okay, so what should I do with my money? What should I do with this? And uh, really what we should do is we should be good stewards of what God has given us. Be a good steward of the, of the things. And um, you know, that's, that's really the starting point. Or that's really where we need to land today on whatever God has given you, let's steward it well. So some of us are probably thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me because I don't have this mammon anyways, so I don't have enough to care about or to be drawn away. But I, the Bible talks about, you know, in Luke 16, 10, it says, he uh, that is faithful in which is the least is faithful also in the much, and he that is unjust in the least is also in the much. So if we have a little bit, but we don't trust God with the little that we have, he's never going to give us more to, to trust us with, Right. And that's what we focus on is we sometimes we look at finances and we think, oh, well, that's for people that have a lot of money. It's for all of us, right? And he's, God's trying to teach us these lessons through the Bible. It, it says that we've, if we all start with a little, he can trust us with that little bit. He gives us more and he gives us more. And uh, we're not going to go deep into it today, but think of the talents, right? There was the one that got one talent and was so concerned about, well, I don't want to lose it. So he hid it away. And God said, you need to do something with it, right? You're supposed to. To, to try to at least multiply it, try to do good things with it, but you got to let God use you. Um, another verse we're going to talk about is verse 12. It says, and if you've not been faithful in, uh, in that which is, which is another man's, how shall I give you that which is your own? So God's saying if, if you can't be faithful in other people's finances and you can't be faithful in other people's areas of your life and your job, then how am I going to bless you more if you can't even take care of with what you've got right now? Right, and, and with that, uh, what he's saying, um, faithful with another man's. Who does this all belong to anyway? It's God's. It's God's. If I can't be faithful with what God has given me and with what well, li maybe little he has trusted me with, then how can, how can we be trusted with more? And that's really what a steward is. Um, it's like it's a financial manager. And today, you know, perhaps uh, there, there's somebody here who you have somebody who manages some of your finances. Uh, you yourself, you know, maybe know a little bit about the markets or a little bit about how to manage finances, but you know that there's somebody else who knows a lot better and you could get a better return on your, on your money that's invested. And so you allow somebody else to steward your finances. And, um, and this is what stewardship is all about. It's that God has given me this. And so I want to, to steward it. I want, I want to manage what God has given me in a, uh, in a good way. And when I do that, when I prove myself faithful in, in stewarding the little that he's given me, then God is able to give me more. And um, he's able to give me things. Uh, he says, when I trust you with a little, I can trust you with, with more and even greater things. And we'll, we'll talk about how the greater isn't always greater money, um, a larger bank account. Uh, there's some greater things beyond money that God wants to bless you with. Um, see, financial stewardship, really it even ties into our primary calling. What are, what are we called to be? We're supposed to be disciples, right? Right. Devoted followers of God. 
And so it, it ties into me as being a de- devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. And to be a devoted or to be a disciple of Christ means that we must have discipline. Dis- disciple uh, you know, has the same root word there as, as discipline. And, and when we aren't wise with our finances and we live in debt, uh, we live uh, you know, in, in a way that we're, we're living far above our means, uh, then we see God as a God who doesn't provide. And God sees us as someone who has no control. And the truth is, God will supply, but His supply responds to our actions. And if you aren't willing to put in the work, don't expect God to bail you out. And the first step in being a good steward is having a good work, work ethic. I mean, script, you can go to Proverbs. We have, we have a bunch of scriptures that we can point to here. Proverbs 28, 19. A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies ends up in poverty. Okay? Makes it pretty plain. Let's be a hard worker. If there's some of this. It just depends on what knowledge or what ability I've given you. Now go and do it. I'm not always going to just bail you out. Uh, Proverbs 14, 23, work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty, okay? We, we could preach a whole message on mere talk. <laughs> sure. You could bring it into the New Testament. In the New Testament, in Colossians 3, 23, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So we have to work for what we have. We also need to learn the difference between needs and wants, right? So, so many people have money problems because they spend money that they don't have on things that they want, they don't need. And debt can become a real inhibitor. It can become a real problem. It's a big, huge issue in our world today. And spoiler, it's not just the world. It's, it's in the church. It's, in, it's right here in the building. That's, that we are not immune to poor financial decisions just because we serve God. I came across this uh, study. It's a little old from 2015, but it was done by MyBankTracker.com, and it asked millennials a series of questions of how far they would go to get rid of their debt. The survey revealed that 55% of them would turn their family into a reality TV show to eliminate their debt. 38% would do a questionable health survey to get rid of their debt. And a staggering 30% of of respondents said they would sell an organ to get rid of their debt. If we aren't fully aligned with God, and if our focus is on just material possessions, if we're not careful, that's what becomes an idol in our lives, is these things that we own and these things that we can point to, these collections that I have. And I'm not preaching against nice things. If you have nice things, that's amazing. But if you can't afford those nice things, then that's where the problem is. God's called us to a life of joy. He's called us to a life of peace. And debt steals our joy and it steals our peace. Yes, yes. God called us to a life of freedom. Proverbs 22, 7 says, The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Matthew six nineteen says, Don't store up treasures on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal them. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, is the desires of your heart will be there also. Uh, Psalms 37, 21 says, The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. We already said it, but money and wealth aren't the evil things. But if we allowed our money and our possessions to control our thoughts, 
our desires, our agendas, then that's what's separating us from the Lord. We, uh, we don't have time to fully flesh this out here today, but uh, I imagine, and I'm not, not going to ask hands to be raised, any of that, but I imagine in this place that we have some people who have a little bit of debt, okay? And so how do we get out of debt? If, if Scripture says that the, the borrower is slave to the lender, borrower is a servant to the lender, um, then there, is, there are biblical principles, and that's not the only Scripture that speaks uh, poorly of debt. Um, we have uh, all through the Old Testament these, these laws that God put in place for the Israelites uh, that among them, he's, he's encouraging them, don't go into debt to one another. In fact, that's why, uh, if you know anything about the year of Jubilee, uh, that's why he had that, um, that instituted as part of their culture, that every 50 years, all debt would be wiped out. Now, that does something for the lender. If you know that in 50 years, or if you're approaching, approaching that 50-year mark, okay, I'm probably not going to lend very much money if I'm going to just have to wipe out all their money, or if I'm just going to have to wipe out all their debts. It, it was something, it was a... Um, it was a, a law that was trying to inhibit the amount of debt that people would go into. And so, as I said, we don't have time to really flesh out fully how to get out of debt. But there are a few little uh, practical things that, uh, that we do want to address here this morning. And the first one is follow a budget. Follow a budget. Okay? There we go. We got some hand claps there. Uh, I wasn't expecting uh, some, some applause for these things, but I'm glad to hear it. 27% of people say they actually make a budget. 27% according to this study. And it says that the ones that actually stick to their budget are even lower. Why is debt out of control? Because we have no idea what we're doing with our money. So that's number one, follow a budget. Number two, tithe and honor God with what he has given you. Okay, we talked about this last week. And now you might say, how does that make sense in getting out of debt? It doesn't. That's exactly right. It doesn't make sense to say, I'm going to take 10% of everything that I have. Especially it doesn't make sense if you don't currently tithe. Just to look at your finances, if you are one who doesn't budget, and you begin to budget, and you look at your finances and you say, I already am living above my means. I already don't have enough money to pay for, uh, you know, my debt, and, you know, everything that, uh, that I need, how can I then set aside 10% of my earnings and give that back to God and, and then meet everything else? And it doesn't make sense. I'll say that. Until you realize that it's God's in the first place, all you're doing is you're returning it back to God. We talked about this last week, but you're returning the tithe back to God. We're not robbing Him of what is His. And when we do that, he says, I want to pour out the windows of blessing upon you. He said, this is a test. Again, last week, this is a test. I'm testing you, but you also can test me. When you tithe, you're testing me on whether or not I will fulfill my promise to give you back more than enough. And I could, I could pull 100 people up here and, and give examples of, or give testimonies of when you are faithful in your tithes, God is faithful to you. And so it doesn't make sense financially, but it makes sense in the kingdom of God. It's aligning yourself away from mammon and aligning yourself to God. That's essentially what it's doing. It's saying that my desires, my thoughts, everything else, God, I'm trusting you in, you in, in all of it. It's easy to do that with, with certain things of our lives. But for some reason, 
it's the wallet that's the hardest for us to just say, God, I fully trust you in this. And we're flying through some of these, but uh, there's one thing I really wanted to point out was three is avoid debt and unnecessary spending. And I wish someone would have pointed this out to me when I was a lot younger, but in uh, March of 2023, the average APR on a credit card is 23.65%. That's average, right? If you charged $1,000 at that APR and made your monthly payments of $20, which is the minimum payment for most of those accounts, it would take you 18 years and one month to pay that off. And you would have paid off $3,332 in interest. $1,000 charge with the same APR, if you make $50 monthly payment, if you just say, you know what, I'm going to make a folk, I'm gonna make a plan to get out of debt. I don't have a, a ton of money to pay everything off all at once, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and grow in this. $50 monthly payment, that goes down to two years and two months, and you only pay $283 in interest. The problem with getting out of debt is we look at the massive amount of it, and we say, I can't do this. Start small, and one is you got to avoid it to begin with. So if you're in debt now, stop going in debt. It doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter what you drive. It doesn't matter where you go to eat. What matters is can I afford it? Because yeah. if we're not stewards with what God gave us, don't come up to the altar and say, God, I need you to take care of this bill because I paid my tithes. It's like I gave you money to pay that bill, and you went to McDonald's with it. Yeah. I know that's mean, but this is Bible, and this is true. So you can get mad at me later. You can punch me. I don't care. But this is, this is why we, we need to talk about finances is because we're living outside of our means, and it's not in God's will. I, I love what Dave Ramsey says often. He says, here we are. We try to impress people that we don't even know with things that they probably, you know, you're never going to talk to them. And you're trying to impress them with things that, that make you feel a little bit better. You, you drive down the road. It's like, man, I want everybody to be able to look at my car when I'm driving. And, and uh, the reality is if you have, you, you have enough money uh, to, to go and get it, go and get it. Amen. That's all right. But if you don't have enough money and you're just trying to impress somebody with your toys, let's stop this consumerist mindset of, of you know, just living the American dream. And instead, let's actually live a kingdom dream where it's, it's living within what God wants us to so that we can go and we're not so strapped and our mind's not so, so like, like burdened down with everything that God is, you know, is trying to, to speak to us, and we can't even focus on it because we're so focused on how can I even survive another day. I want to go back to a scripture we talked about earlier, First Timothy 6.10. It said, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveteth after, they've erred from their faith, and they pierce themselves through the many sorrows. And I think when I, hear, when I heard that scripture today, what really got me was, is when we love the image of what we want to be so much that we become miserable because we can't achieve it. Right, And we think if I work hard enough, if I gain enough stuff, if I do all these other things, sometimes the depression that we suffer is, is self-inflicted because we're putting more expectations on ourselves than God's putting on us. And if we would just align with what God has for us and what God wants us to have in our lives, we would be so much happier. We wouldn't be bound. We wouldn't be uh, piercing ourselves with these sorrows if we just say, God, you know what? It doesn't matter. All that matters is you, not whether or not I have the nicest car. It could be a beater, but if it's paid off, Praise God, it runs. <laughs> All right. I want to try to land this here today. And we are just keeping this as a short series. We've got Sister Ginger Zimmerman's coming in next week. I'm so excited about that. Um, and so, um, 
We're not going to continue in this conversation with her, but we are going to uh, we are going to talk on something else. But I do want to land this conversation on um, on going back to that topic of the spirit of mammon. And it said in Luke sixteen eleven, we already read this, but it said, "If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, then who will commit to your trust the true riches?" Now the question is, what are the true riches? And you might say, and and you might be pointing to this, but uh, no, those true riches are a financial blessing. Uh, I believe that God does want God will bless us financially when we trust Him uh, with with our finances and we give to Him. But what are really what are true riches? It's the things that are eternal. A tr- the true riches are the souls that that might be impacted because. You were faithful in giving because you were faithful and you didn't have your mindset all wrapped up in, in, in finances and, and you know, what, what can I get through this life. The true riches are the souls that might be saved because you were faithful in giving back to God. That those are the true riches. And this is really simple. I know this is really simple to say, well, okay, so just getting my finances in order, you really mean that that can end up in somebody's, somebody's soul being saved. Yes, I do. I, that is what I'm saying. That when, we, that when we get our finances in order, that when we are faithful and we are good stewards of what God has given us, then we're able to give back to the kingdom. You're able to give freely. I was just, I was just at a conference um, this past weekend, this weekend. And at this, this conference yesterday, it was, it was our business meeting. This is part of the uh, United Pentecostal Church. It was our, our district conference, and it was our business meeting yesterday and they're going over some finances of, of giving and, and part of what we do as a church uh, we give uh, in some different offerings that go beyond just our church here uh, some some offerings we give they go and uh, they invest back in our community uh, we give to certain efforts here in a community uh, there's other offer, offerings that we give that go globally uh, we support missionaries uh, here here at our church um, and uh, give uh, monthly to them uh, to support their efforts, we give uh, we give to churches uh, that are starting up here in here in the United States. We call it North American Missions. Uh, there's one particular church. Uh, it's at the other end of the state, way down south, um, close to Louisville, New Albany. And uh, Pastor Nichols, uh, this past year, uh, their church, and uh, it's a little larger than our church, but it's not. Uh, they don't have a thousand people at their church. And just in this past year, they gave, uh, as, as a church, $213,000 to North American Missions. Um, they also were one of our top givers um, for, uh, for youth, and we have moved the mission. Uh, I believe they gave uh, around $40,000 for that. Um, they gave uh, globally, global missions. And you say, how can they do that? How, how can a church do that? And uh, I was just, just talking to him afterwards, uh, after, after that, that meeting. How, how, how do you guys do this? And, and he didn't lay it all out, but he, he just said, really, it's all about people being invested in the kingdom. And people caring more about the kingdom things. And what, when that happens, when that, that focus shifted in their church about giving, God provided. God provided in the homes. God began blessing people in their jobs, God began blessing people in their finances, but it all was attached to their giving. 
It all was attached to their giving, and they gave. And this wasn't, this isn't for their church. This was for them to be able to give beyond, to, to start churches in Indiana, to start churches across the United States, and, and to have that seed money so that church planters can go out and that they can have a building that, that they uh, you know, didn't have the finances for themselves, and they're planting, planting seeds. And, and I'm thankful that our church, that, that we are able to give. But I, I want to be a, a, a church that is able to bless the kingdom. And that's what happens when we get our finances in order, that God is able to truly, truly do, uh, do something that is way above and beyond our means. And I, I know that, that really it's the desire of so many of us in here to say, man, I want to bless others. I want to bless others. Here's what it comes down to. It comes to faith. It comes down to faith. Do you have faith that God is enough? Do you have faith that God will provide? Do you have faith that He can do more with the little that we might have than, uh, than for us to just hold on to it? And, and God, He wants to do great things. Amen. I know we have our Sunday school classes all making their way back in here today. But uh, if we could, amen, just stand. I want to I wanna close this out just with our hands lifted up. I know this isn't a, a, a preachy kind of message where we may uh, fall down on the altar and, and be crying, but if we could just lift up our hands, I want to just call on the name of the Lord. Amen. I just want to say, God, Lord, I pray that you would bless th these people. Lord, I believe that there are blessings that God wants to pour out in this congregation. Lord, I pray that you would bless, God, each and every family in this place. Lord, I pray that you would bless, God, that you would loose, God, the blessings upon their, uh, upon their employers, God, that you would loose blessings, God, upon God, Noble County and beyond, God, that you would, Lord, begin, Lord, to bless financially, Lord, those, God, so that we can see your kingdom expand, so that we can see your kingdom grow. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would not be so consumed, God, with, uh, with the spirit that's chasing after money, that's chasing after uh, material things, but God, rather, God, I want to chase after the kingdom, God, let us be generous, let us be givers, God, let us be sowers into your kingdom, God, let us have a kingdom mindset, a kingdom mind frame, God, and as we do that, Lord, pour out your blessings upon us, uh, pour out your blessings, God, upon this place, Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you just remain standing, let's go into this song that you're playing here today. Good man. 